Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of John, chapter 15. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Israel understood that they were the vine of God. Or the vine of Jehovah. Are y'all getting this? That Jesus now, when Jesus comes along and says, you no longer are the vine of Jehovah. You no longer are the blessing root. Now, I am the vine. And if anybody now is in me, I will be the one that blesses them. Are y'all getting that? I'm the one true vine. And no longer is Israel the blessing root. Now a man is blessed by being identified with Christ. And now anybody who is blessed is blessed because of Jesus, not Israel. Somebody need to clap your hands and say amen. Will you do that? (laughs) Blessed by Jesus and not Israel. Israel forfeited the place of blessing by unbelief and by not bringing forth good fruit. Jesus says, I am the vine. I'm the perfect one as distinct from the imperfect. I'm the real one as distinct from the type. I'm the vine of ancient Israel. The second vine the Bible talks about, you keeping up with me, is the vine of the earth. The vine of the earth. Revelation chapter 14, verse 19 and 20. So the angel thrust his sickle into the earth and gathered the, what saints? Vine of the earth. Is it on the screen? The angel thrust his sickle and gathered what saints? The vine of the earth. And he threw it into the great wine press of the wrath of God. And the wine press was trampled outside the city and blood came out of the wine press up to the horse's bridle. That's a lot of blood, y'all. For 1,600 furlongs. Revelation 14 is talking about the last days. And God is separating the wheat and the tares. And I personally believe that we are living on the precipice of the last days. Can I get a witness in here? I really do. That God is separating the wheat from the tare. God is separating those who are the real and the fake. God is separating those who are willing to stand up for him and those who are going to let the world silence them into a corner. Isn't it interesting? Have you noticed there's this pressure of not saying the name of Jesus? There's this pressure of not talking about God. There's this pressure of not talking about Christianity. You could talk about anything else. You could talk about Buddha, Muhammad, uh, uh, Hare Krishna, uh, Shintoism. You can talk about studying Naval Lent. Uh, you can talk about anything you want to talk about. The Zen. You can talk about any of that, but as soon as you name the name, where my people at? Soon as you name the name of Jesus, am I right about it? All of a sudden, whoa, wait a minute, hold on, hold on, man. We don't want to talk about that now. We're religion and state. We don't talk about those things together. And God is separating the wheat from the tear. Where you at? 
Where are you at? Are you willing to stand for Jesus? We're living on the precipice of Revelation chapter 14, where God is separating, really separating the wheat from the tares. So this angel, and you read it for yourself in, the, in Revelation 14, this angel of the Lord thrust the sickle in, and he actually thrust in the sickle twice. The first time he reaps wheat. The second time he reaps grapes, and they're called grapes of wrath. As a matter of fact, this verse was the inspiration for the Battle Hymn of Republic. Did you know that? My eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. He has trampled out the vineyard where the grapes of wrath are stored, right? He has loosed the faithful lightning with his, come on, y'all, with his terrible quicksword. His truth is marching on glory. All right, that's enough. That's enough. Then. But you get it. This, is the, this verse was the inspiration of that. Now, we can't develop it. We don't have time today. But listen, the vine of the wrath of God, if you're taking notes, you write this down. The vine of the wrath of God equals the last judgment. It means God's final wrath on earth. The angel is told to put the sharp sickle to the earth and gather the clusters from the vine of the earth. In other words, cut them off, sever them from earthly existence. Why? Because our grapes are ripe. That means fully ripe. Juicy, and that speaks of juicy to the point of wickedness. The juice of wickedness. That's heavy. You need to go back and read that. The vine of the ancient Israel, the vine of the earth. And here in our text, Jesus says, I am the genuine vine. I am the true vine. And you got to understand, saints, listen, what Jesus is saying here in John 15 is not PC. Did y'all get that? What Jesus is saying is controversial and it's outrageous. He didn't say, I am like a vine. He didn't say, I am a vine as though there were other vines and he's one of them. Jesus says, I am the vine. Y'all come on, help me. I am the vine, the one, the only, the perfect, the genuine, the real vine. Now listen, this is the final I am statement of John's gospel of Jesus. Remember, I am ego. If you don't know this, write it down. This is Christianity 101 stuff here. Ego and me. E-G-O. Somebody knows it. E-G-O-I-M-I. I am. Ego and me. It is a declaration of deity. Every time Jesus said, somebody tells you Jesus never claimed to be God, you tell them, yes, he did. As a matter of fact, not only did he claim to be God, but over and over and over and over and over again, he claimed to be God. Every time he said, I am, I am the bread of life. Somebody say amen. I am the bread of life, John 6, 35. I am the light of the world, John 8, 12. I am the door, John 10. John 8, 58, before Abraham was, what saints? I am the good shepherd, John 10, 11. I am the resurrection and the life. John eleven twenty five. I am, don't y'all know this one? The way, the truth, and the life. John 14, 6. I am the true vine. John 15, 1. Interesting. Jesus uses a vine, or let me say this. Interesting that Jesus chooses to use a vine to make an illustration of himself. Do y'all understand 
that Jesus, every word, listen, every word that came out of his mouth was specific. I need more than two people to say amen. Every word that came out of his mouth was specific and choice. He chose every word. Jesus didn't chatter on and go on and on and on and chatter to hear himself talk. Huh? Every word was specific. Every word was choice. I am the true vine. Why a vine? Because a vine is lowly. A vine speaks of humility, doesn't it? A vine is planted in the ground. Jesus came in the form of a man and planted himself on earth. Think about this. There's no more intimate union than that of a vine and a branch. The branch is totally, completely dependent on the vine. The branch can't bear fruit by itself without the connection to the vine. You don't see branches lying on the ground with beautiful, luscious fruit on it, do you? No. Because a vine is necessary in a branch to be connected. A vine is a perfect illustration of relationship and connection and belonging. Jesus says, I am the vine. I am the source. I am the point of connection. And I really wish I could get Christians. Are the Christians listening? I'm talking to Christians. I wish I could get Christians to understand this one thing, that Jesus is your source. Jesus is your source. Jesus is your connection. Jesus is your vine. Some people think their vine is their bank account. Uh huh. Some people think that their, their vine is their education. And so every time you talk to them, they talk to you about their education because that's their vine. Some people think their vine is their popularity, their fame, their skill. Some people think their vine is being attached to some religious system. Some people think their vine is being attached to some, 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 some famous preacher who's coming to town and everybody's got to go get under the roof of that famous preacher so he can speak a word and the anointing of God's word can come over, over them and they can speak it, name it, claim it, blab it and grab it because he's got anointing over their life and he's their vine. Y'all know who I'm talking about. Am I right about it? And so they get in the same room with that preacher and he's speaking the word and that word comes out of his mouth. Somehow that word is going to affect them. They got to get there because he's their vine. Listen, no preacher is your vine. Amen. No preacher is your vine. No pastor is your vine. Amen. No church is your vine. Jesus is your vine. Jesus is your connection. Jesus is your, I'm waiting while you clap your hands like you mean it. Jesus is your source. Jesus said, I am the vine. My father is, look at verse one. I am the vine. My father is a vine dresser or husbandman. Now listen, I don't know anything about viticulture. Viticulture, what's that? Viticulture is the cultivation of grapevines. I don't know anything, so I had to do a lot of study and a lot of reading. Listen at this. Vine dressers or husbandmen had two specific purposes. Number one, he was responsible to cut off the branches that did not bear fruit. 
because they would sap the energy from the branches that were bearing fruit. And number two, he was responsible to prune or to purge the branches that did bear fruit so that they would be able to bear more fruit. The vine dresser's responsibility, you taking notes, write this down, was punishing and pruning. Punishing and pruning. The vine dressers cut off those branches that are fruitless and throws them away, and he prunes those that are fruitful so that they might bear more fruit. The word prune or purge means to make clean. And you know what that tells us, saints? That tells us that the Father ain't done with you yet. Are you listening? He's still got some work to do. It's the work of pruning and purging. In those days, listen, when a vine was planted, it wasn't allowed to bear fruit for three years. It was pruned back and cut back dramatically for three years. And then in that fourth year, you would see these strong, rich, healthy, juicy fruit because it had been cut. I remember there's, there's, there's a brother in our church that takes care of the church property. And, and, and I remember, I, if, for those of you who know where my office is, you know, I've got this like really big, beautiful, is that a myrtle tree? Is that like a myrtle tree with all the white little things? Crepe myrtle? Now I know. It, it's, it, it's like the, it's a beautiful, beautiful tree. And it was just gorgeous to me. It looked great. So one day I leave, I come back, that thing looks like somebody went crazy on it. It was just a bunch of sticks just sticking out like that. Well, who in the world, what in the world is going on? Keep in mind, I don't know nothing about viticulture or horticulture or any, most cultures. Amen. And so I was like, what in the world happened? And, 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 and I've come to learn that that, that, that tree and it was beautiful to me, but when he cut it back and it was nothing but sticks, when the next year, when it grew, it grew even more beautiful than it was. And the same thing it was in Israel. They wouldn't cut any vines or, or grapevines for three years. And then in that fourth year, they would cut and, and, and they would have strong, rich, beautiful, juicy fruit. And listen, don't, don't get me wrong. Cutting hurts. I got that. Cutting hurts. In order for the vine to bring forth fruit, it had to be purged. It had to be cut. Cutting hurts. The Father, listen, is not concerned with how much you're hurting when he's purging you. You know, a lot of times we're asking God, God, I want to be a holy man. God, I want to be a man of God. God, I want to be a woman of God. So God will bring into your life these, this thing called trials and tribulations and trials and tribulations hurt they hurt and God is the one who is allowing those trials and tribulations and God is not really concerned with how much it hurts the father is concerned with removing whatever is hindering productivity did y'all get that the father is concerned with removing what's hindering productivity the father is concerned with whatever is hindering you from bearing fruit. If you had cancer, the doctor isn't concerned if it hurts to remove it or not. He's concerned with getting rid of the cancer so it doesn't metastasize and you lose even that which you do have. So when God sees a Christian isn't bearing fruit, I'm trying to help somebody here. Listen, 
When God sees a Christian isn't bearing fruit, then we have to go to surgery. And the surgery is trials and tribulations. Many times, are y'all getting that? Many times God will allow the loss of a job, the loss of a family member, news that you have cancer, some other sickness, loss of material stuff, house in foreclosure, got to turn the car in because we can't afford it. People are talking about you, persecution, discouragement, grief, agony, whatever it is, God brings trials and tribulations to uncover the problem as to why you're not bearing fruit. And that is why it is a horrible, hear me, it's a horrible disservice for any preacher teacher, individual to stand and tell you that it is not God's will for you to go through trials and tribulations. And if you're going through a trial and tribulation, you must be in sin because anything you ask of God, God's going to give it to you. And if you're going through something, that means you're in sin. That kind of thing, that's horrible teaching. That's wrong teaching. It's hurtful teaching because God uses trials and tribulations in order to accomplish his good plan and purpose in your life. He uses them. God is the one sending him your way. Nothing can happen. Don't y'all get this. Nothing can happen to you unless God approves it. Write that down. Nothing can happen to you unless God approves it. Look at Job, for example. God had to approve that. And Job lost everything. Talk about a bad day. That was a bad day. A bad day when you lose everything. Everything. Cattle, house burned, everything. I ain't got a cow left. Nothing. And then you got three really nice friends. And then you got a wife. Oh, hallelujah. Let me move on. Oh, I got to teach on Tuesday to the men's conference. Let me... Let me, let me move on here. God uses trials and tribulations. It's called surgery. Surgery opens you up. Surgery gets things prepped. And then it's the word of God that actually does the healing. Did you get that? God's word. I'm waiting while you clap your hands there. God's word does the healing. God's word, every branch in me, verse 2, in me that does not bear fruit, the father takes away. And some people will look at this verse and say, see, you can lose your salvation. It says, in me, the Christian in me. Listen, the word in simply applies in identification with. It doesn't imply uh, um, relationship in terms of eternal security or not. Now, listen, in our text, there are two groups of branches in our text. There are branches that bear fruit. And saints, where you at? There are branches that don't bear fruit. And the branches that bear fruit are obviously Christians. And the branches that don't bear fruit, we call those, or I call those Judas branches. Judas branches. Because remember, it was just a chapter ago, they were in the upper room, and Jesus told Judas, go do what you're going to do. You know, Judas went out and sold Jesus Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver. That was just in the last chapter. And so by the time Jesus has this conversation with them and what Judas had done might have been, you know, 15, 20 minutes. Well, for us, it's been nine weeks. But but for them, it was more like 15, 20 minutes. And so 
Judas, you know, go do what you're going to do. Judas branches. Those are the branches that profess Christ but don't possess Christ. Judas branches were with them, but they were not one of them. I think of John, 1 John, same writer, 2.19. They went out from us, but they were not of us. And if they had been of us, they would have remained with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were with us. If a person professes to know God and they fall away, or they become a Christian antagonist or even an atheist, and they never come back to church, it doesn't mean they lost their salvation. It may mean they never really had it. Just because you profess Christ does not mean you possess Christ. You you get that? Just because you make a profession of faith doesn't mean you have a possession of faith. So Judas was with them, but Judas wasn't with them. You get that? He was with them, but he wasn't with them. Jesus said, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may be bear more fruit. Every branch that bears fruit. Stay there. Every branch that bears fruit. In other words, if you're a Christian, you're going to be bearing fruit. Listen, I do not believe that it is possible for you to be a Christian and not bear fruit. It is impossible to have a non-fruit-bearing Christian. If you're a Christian, you must be bearing fruit. There must be productivity. Matthew 7, 17. Every good tree bears good fruit. Bad trees bear bad fruit. Matthew 12, 33. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For a tree is known by what, saints? The fruit it bears. And a Christian is known by the fruit it bears. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness. A tree is known by the fruit it bears. A Christian is known by the fruit it bears. Some Christians, they may try to act and they have fake fruit. Y'all remember back in the day? Y'all remember back in the day, that used to be a, uh, an item of decor. Y'all remember fake food on the, on the table? Somebody come in, you go, here's my dining room and there's my fake fruit. My fake fruit. And go, oh, lovely. You remember that? I'm dating myself now because it's like a, a big old bowl and you got all this fake fruit on it. And, you know, and people were in those days, that was a decor thing. Everybody was proud of their fake fruit. And of course, you know, we live in a culture of, of, of fake stuff, don't we? We live in a culture, you can get fake anything nowadays. Y'all know I'm from Philly. And, and there's this, this one street called 52nd and Market. 52nd and Market, you can get anything under God's green earth right there on that corner. Anything. A guy walk up to you, he have a coat down in there, he open up like this here. He got everything, kitchen equipment, everything. He got bl- blenders and mixers and anything. They got fake everything. I mean, they got fake, they got fake, fake, uh, Fake watches, fake, fake Rolex. Now they call them Folex. They got a Folex. You got fake hair. They can't call them wigs. They got uh, wigs and weaves. They got fake uh, uh, faux paint. That's fake paint. Fake fur. Faux fur. You can, you, you can get, isn't that right? 
Is it full for? Yeah. You can get fake anything. I mean, we live in a culture of fakes, but I can tell you one thing right now. You cannot fake, if you will, fruit. You cannot really fake fruit. Fruit, Jesus said it. He said, if it's a bad tree, it's going to give you bad fruit. A bad tree can't produce good fruit. Are y'all listening? A good tree can't give bad fruit. And that's how you know what kind of tree it is. It's based on the fruit hanging on the limbs. Look at verse 3. Jesus said, you're already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you. Now listen, the actual pruning, the actual operation is done by the word of God. You are clean. Did y'all get that in verse 3? You are clean through the, through the word. Trials don't clean you. They only tear open the problem. The application of the word does the healing, the cleaning, if you will. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.